Hello, welcome to today, whatever today is for you. As you are watching this scripture, we are going to be going through today is Psalm 23. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This summer at St. Clair, we are traveling to and fro throughout the book of Psalms. There's not been any particular order uh, we've been going in this, but as each teacher and, and leader has prayed over what to speak on uh, and sought through the scriptures, they found themselves at a, at a certain psalm that probably spoke to them and that we believe will also speak to you as well. Today, we're standing here in Hamilton in 2020, and through the Psalms, we encounter the life of someone who lived a long time ago, thousands of years, and in a very different place. However, with all those differences, we still find a solidarity with the writers of books like the Psalms, because like them, we are all trying to figure out how to live in a world that is full of both blessings and good things, that's difficulty-filled and, and has many trials, but that there are also many beautiful things. And, and all the while, we're trying to figure out how to live here and how to follow God in this world. The writer of the Psalms, of Psalm 23, they were trying to figure out how to do this. And there are many authors that you can read throughout the Psalms, and you see through their experiences that they struggled with how to reconcile what they believed of God to be good and faithful, and how that could reconcile with the reality of the difficulty of the world of their time. Psalm 23 is no exception to this. It's often been seen as a psalm for the suffering, for those who are going through a dark valley. Today, I think we will also see it's a psalm for the wandering, for those who are not sure exactly where they are anymore and who need to find a way home. I was drawn to Psalm 23 because I think that God is calling me back to a simpler place in my life. When I was young, I grew up on a farm in rural Ontario, and I loved to explore the farm and the fields. And when I was growing up and learning how do I follow God, I would imagine hearing God's voice saying to me, Oh, Andrew, go, go to that tree on the edge of the field and climb that tree, and, and just sit there for a while. And sitting there, I would imagine hearing God's voice say, okay, now go climb down and, and go through these fields and, and walk through the wheat that's growing just at the level of your fingertips, uh, and, and let me talk to you there. You know, whether it was actually the voice of God or not that was, that was nudging me to go explore through the land, I do believe that I was practicing something important. I was practicing learning how to hear and know and recognize 
God's voice and how to be obedient to it. There are these song lyrics. They're written by someone like Upper Room or Bethel or, or one of those guys. Uh, and the lyrics go, take me back, back to the beginning when I was young, walking through the fields with you. I hear those lyrics and, and I think back to this time in my life when I was young and learning how to follow God. And I remember this time before taxes and rent and car troubles, job questions, theological debates, and not worrying if the shirt I was wearing while preaching was going to distract or attract people towards God. There's a time when faith was not naive, but it was simple. And there were foundational things that God was doing in my life. And I believe that God is calling me back to this chapter, this verse of throughout Psalm 23, because I think he's just calling me back to something simple and foundational. I'm confident today that as you listen to the words of God through scripture and in Psalm 23, that you will also hear something that you will hear not just my voice, but the voice of God, maybe in a way that, that you had forgotten you could hear it, but in a way that you know he's calling you back to himself, back to something that, that might seem naive to some, but in reality, it is a foundational truth. A foundation of a house is a really simple thing. These days, it's just concrete poured into forms. There's no delicate intricacy. There's, there's no great design in this, but it's important. It's incredibly important. And I think the truth that Psalm 23 will offer us today is of that same importance. Will you hear it? Will I hear it? I hope so. Uh, God, we pray today that as we encounter your word, um, that you would teach us how to listen well Uh, and to hear you, and to see you um, through these words that that someone has composed uh, so long ago. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you have heard any passage of scripture, this is probably the one. If you have never opened a Bible in your life, you've actually probably still heard this scripture, uh, whether it was in a movie or, or on someone's wall in their home. And this psalm, it's, I think it's a work of art. It places us as readers in, into the role of the sheep, tra- traveling through green fields in the daylight and, and fertile lands, and then also going through these dark and dangerous valleys as well. And all the while, we as sheep are called to trust in the voice of the shepherd. There is so much that could be said about this psalm, and there are probably thousands of sermons that have already been written on it. And I find myself wondering, okay, why do I need to add another one to this mix? But I do think that God has wanted to speak something to my heart and has something to say to you as well. So pay attention as as you hear me speak over the next number of minutes. Pay attention to if you feel a comfort a sense of peace that that maybe you haven't felt in a long time and that you go, oh, what is that? Or pay attention if you feel some sort of wrenching in your gut because something is twisting and feels uncomfortable and you're going, oh, 
I need to sort this out. Pay attention to yourself, to what you are feeling as you listen, because what you feel or do not feel says something about where you are today. Now, in a moment, I'm going to walk through this psalm, Psalm 23. I'm going to do it verse by verse. I just want to walk this landscape because it's already so beautifully painted for us. And if I'm going to do that, I think at this point, because I'm at 8 minutes and 27, 28 seconds, it means I've got about 2 minutes per verse. So I have got to get going on this now. Let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, Right off the bat, we need to identify, okay, who is this psalm talking about? The Lord is my shepherd. There are a lot of different lords, lords and ladies. What, it, what is this? Who are we talking about? We're talking about Yahweh. If, if you read it um, in the Hebrew, you will see Yahweh. This is not Baal. This is not Morduk. This is not any other God, but this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is the God, the father of Jesus, the one we follow today. And what role does Yahweh play in the psalm? He plays the role of the shepherd. I love this imagery, especially thinking how King David, he was likely the one who wrote this psalm. We don't know if he wrote it after he was a king or while he was still a shepherd boy. But we know that ever after this psalm was included in scripture, the Jewish community and, and now us today as the Christian community, we know that this was King David talking. And King David, the role that he attributes to himself when he says, Yahweh, you are my shepherd, he is saying, I'm a sheep. This isn't generally the the animal of choice that we would portray for for a great king and a great leader. You won't usually see a sheep because sheep are, are not independent, powerful animals. The sheep and the flocks would depend on the shepherd for their survival. David, the great king of Israel, declares, Yahweh, I need you for my survival. I need you for guidance. You are my leader. In the ancient Near East, the shepherd also often had this royal imagery where leaders of people would be called shepherds. And we see this imagery in the New Testament as well. And King David is saying, Yahweh, you are my king. You are my shepherd. David declares that he is utterly dependent on Yahweh as his shepherd. And in the New Testament, in John chapter 10, we see this imagery also being put onto Christ. Christ is our shepherd, our good shepherd. It's his voice that we learn to trust and to follow. And praise God that we have the Bible to help us learn what is the voice of Christ and what is the voice of something else. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. They know the one to trust. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want why is it that because we follow God, we, we don't want anymore? This isn't a great translation. Sometimes when, when we're interpreting from a Hebrew language or, or the Greek language and we get into English, there aren't fantastic words because there isn't one-to-one equivalence when it comes to language translations. Not only that, but a lot of our English translations, they were done a a few years ago. Some are more recent, and and we keep doing this because language changes. English changes. We don't use the same words that many of us even used when we were kids. So when we see, I shall not want, it's of course not talking about desires. When we follow God as our shepherd, it's not that we don't have any desires. It's not that we don't want anything anymore. A better translation is that 
we're not in need. We are not lacking or insufficient in the things that we need. I'm sure you've heard this before. But why is it that we aren't lacking? It's not because we have all things through Christ. You will come across some tough roadblocks in your theology if you believe that because you follow Christ, you will have everything you need in the world. It's not because of that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, not because I have all things through Christ, but because I have Christ. I believe that this is the crux of the psalm. It's the relationship with Christ. It's not going to be something that is dependent on the psalmist's situation or circumstance or their location. None of those things are going to be what determines the quality of life for the psalmist. It's their relationship with the shepherd. And for us too, no matter where we go or what we have, those things do not determine our quality of life, but it's our relationship with God, with Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Not because I have all things through Christ, but because I have Christ. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. These two verses go together and they speak about God's ability to bring us to rest and to find nourishment in him. The thing that I really love about these verses is something that you can't really see in the English translation. When I hear that someone makes me do something, he makes me lie down in green pastures, we get the idea of he's forcing us to do something, as if the shepherd is walking up to the sheep and he's just pushing them down and being like, lie down, rest now. That's not the imagery that the psalmist is offering. Rather, when, when you look at the Hebrew word construction, and this, he makes me lie down, that's one word in the Hebrew. And what it's actually saying is that God, as the shepherd, gives me the ability to lie down. I'm going to lie down, but I couldn't rest without God. He gives me the ability to rest. I find this absolutely true in my life where I keep looking for these ways to find rest. You know, at the end of the day, you're tired and you're just ready to veg out. And so you go, I could pray or I could watch three hours of a show that I've been enjoying. Shark Tank it is. And then you just binge. And at the end of it, it's like, okay, that was fun, but I feel no better. My my life has not increased in its quality and I, I don't feel satisfied. Whereas when I spend the time with God and I make that same effort and guaranteed if I spent those same three hours praying and in the word and praying for others, a hundred percent of the time I know the difference in how I feel and how my spirit is filled and how my life is given direction. God gives us that ability to rest when we trust in him. We're the ones that kind of make that, that effort to actually sit down, but it's because of him that we're able to do that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me, or he makes me rest to lie down, to stretch out in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Depending on what biblical interpretation you have, you might see a comma 
or a semicolon after he leads me by still waters. And then your, your translation might even say, he refreshes my soul. As if, oh, God led me to these still waters. And then, like that old Nest Tea commercial, I just take a drink and I go, oh, I am, I am refreshed. That feels so good. I do believe that God's presence can have that effect on our lives. I don't believe that's what the psalmist is saying here. Again, if you want to go to the Hebrew and you want to look at the word for restore, that, that is sometimes translated refresh, you'll see the word shuv. And that word, 9.9 times out of 10, does not mean refresh. In fact, this is the only place ever that it's translated like that. A better interpretation of that word is that God brings us back. Or Sometimes it can mean rebuild or restore, but in this conjugation, it's about bringing back. God brings back. And that word for soul as well, when you're talking about he restores my soul, it's not about the spirit. That word is, is nefesh uh, in the Hebrew. And it's not our spirit as in like, okay, here's my body and here's my spirit over here. But actually, it would have been something more encompassing of of our life, including our spirit, but but our life as a whole. So when we see this phrase, he restores my soul, a good interpretation, I believe, of it is that he brings back my life. This is the way that in the Septuagint, which is the Greek interpretation of the New Testament, it would also lend itself to this interpretation. And when we see the next verse, which is he leads me on the path of righteousness, we go, ah, I was wandering and he restores me. He brings me back. He does this by leading me on the right paths. I wonder, have you ever found yourself wandering? Perhaps, especially after a good season in life, when things were going well and, and you kind of, yeah, you kind of lost track of, of the practices and the importance of being like, okay, each day I got to spend time with God. And you found yourself wandering until you got to this place where you didn't really even think about God much. And you went, oh, how did I get here? That's when God, as the shepherd, pursues us and he brings us back. God brings me back. He leads me down the paths of righteousness. Um, some other Bible passages you can look up on your own just to defend this interpretation. Ezekiel 39, 27, Isaiah 49, 5, and Jeremiah 50, 19. I'll use the same version of the word to talk about God bringing back the people of Israel when they had wandered and when they were in, in exile, God brought them back. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, may we realize that when we follow Christ, it does not mean we will never have to walk through dark valleys in our lives. Because we live on earth, we can expect suffering, difficulty, trial, death, sickness, to be hated. We can expect these things, but we can also trust that God is still with us in the midst of them. That is what the psalmist is saying. It does not say God leads me around those dark valleys, but through them and that he is with me through them in the midst of it. And there I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God doesn't promise a trial-free life, but God promises to be with us. Is that enough for you? Would it be enough 
to live a really difficult life, but to know that Christ was still with you throughout it and that there is another life to come, but the rest of your life was still going to be filled with difficulty. Would it be enough to know that God was still with you? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think in, in the psalm, we're still in that dark valley where we're still walking through a difficult time, where the possibility of suffering is real. And here the psalmist finds comfort in the instruments of the shepherd, the rod and the staff, the rod used to perhaps fend off the enemies and the predators and the things that would want to, to eat the sheep. And, and then there's the staff, which is a walking instrument, but is also used to guide the sheep. And perhaps we're going through this dark valley. Perhaps we're going through this time and we can only see a few feet in front of us. And then flop, something hits us. And we go, what was that? And we change direction, not knowing what it was. And, and we realize, oh, that was God. That was the shepherd redirecting the sheep. And we go, ow, that really hurt. Why did you do that? But we know and trust that as God loves us and redirects us, that he is the one who, who knows the landscape. He is the one that can see more than a few feet in front of us in space or time. And he knows what is good. And when we recover from kind of the shock of that thwap, we see, oh, that was a nasty ledge we could have fallen over. Oh, I'm, I'm actually really thankful for that redirection right now. I am comforted to know that the shepherd has that staff and that he can redirect me with it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. At this point in the psalm, we see a bit of a shift away from, from us as a sheep uh, and into this role of, oh, God is the one with this provisional ability that through the trial and even in the midst of that difficulty, he has this ability to provide and to be hospitable towards us. Psalm 78 speaks of how the Israelites, when wandering through the desert, thought back to Egypt and thought, oh man, we had so many good things in Egypt, fruit and water, and it was so awesome. And here we are in the desert and God, what are you going to do? I just want to get back to Egypt. Things were great there when they had forgotten that they were actually in slavery. Psalm 78, 19 says, the Israelites in the desert spoke against against God saying, can God really prepare a table in the wilderness? And here in Psalm 23, we see you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can you trust that God says is who he says he is, even when you are in the scarce desert or under siege in the midst of your enemies? Do you believe that God is still able to set a table before you and to say, Come, sit down and eat with me. I know things are rough. I know it doesn't look like there's a way out, but just trust me enough. Just come and rest and sit with me now. In the midst of what you are going through, I am here. I promise you that at some point in your life, you will face an enemy of some sort. I don't know what it is. It could be a physical person. It could be a sickness. It could be your own mind working against you. You'll face some sort of enemy that is trying to tear you down, but know that when you follow God as a shepherd, you will always have someone who is with you in the midst of it. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. 
Again, this language of hospitality. When we read, you anoint my head with oil, it's not the kind of anointing that David had when Saul came and poured the oil over his head. It's, it's not a kingly anointing. That's the wrong word here. The word here would literally more mean he makes my head fat with oil, which of course does not make sense to us today. So what does that mean? What, what are you saying when you anoint my head with oil? Likely this is another act of hospitality when the host would take the oil um, and, and they would welcome their guest in who is, who is tired, who may have had a lot of bugs bugging them on the road, who may be dirty. And this oil would be something that would refresh and clean them. Shepherds actually do this for sheep as well. I can remember growing up and, and we had rabbits and they would get mite in their ears and we would use oil to, to get rid of the mites and to bring some relief to the animals. So this is a situation where God, okay, he brings relief. Just went through a dark valley. I was just sitting in the presence of my enemies. And now, oh, thank you, God, that you have brought me some relief. The overflowing cup. Uh, again, I like the Septuagint's translation where it says, oh, instead of my cup overflows, it says, my cup is filled with the best drink. It's saying that God's wine is the best stuff that's out there. It's a vintage whatever. It's good stuff. And I wonder if we believe this. The psalmist is saying that what God is bringing to offer us, what what is in the cup that God extends to us, is better than anything else he could find. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? That when I come to God, he offers me something better than anything else I can find. Does my cup really overflow when I am in his presence? Or do I believe that I can get something better next door? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We are wanderers, and in his mercy, God is a pursuer. This is the language here that God's mercy and goodness, that his loving kindness and faithfulness follows us. It pursues us where we go. And as he pursues us, I hope that we in turn can see him coming and that we can hear that voice and go, oh yes, I know that voice and I know I can trust that voice. I know that that's the voice that tells me how to lie down and find rest and find good water that I, I can be nourished on. I know that's the voice that will redirect me when I'm in a time of trouble. I know that's a voice where I can follow it and I can dwell near it. When the psalmist says that he's going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, the house of the Lord we could understand as, oh, the, the temple. Oh yeah, he's going to pack his sleeping bag. He's going to move into the temple and that's his spot all his days. No, it's, it's not about location. It's not about circumstance. It's not about possessions. The psalmist is saying that I will dwell in the presence of God forever. It is God's presence with us. Thinking back to the Israelites in the desert, wherever they were in the desert, they followed the presence of God, the cloud and the fire. And it was that God was with them that made them who they are. It is that God is with us, that Christ is with us, that makes us who we are today. As we wrap up um, some practical notes, I invite you 
to remember what God's voice sounds like in your life. I invite you to spend time listening and and to relearn uh, what his calling sounds like. I wonder today if you've not spent time really in prayer or just listening or or those those practices, those things that can seem legalistic. Perhaps you've shoved them all aside, but in doing so, you've forgotten how to hear God. You've forgotten what he sounds like. You've forgotten how to distinguish the voice of him from the voice of other things that call themselves shepherds, but that Jesus would say are, are thieves, are, are, are robbers. Do you practice hearing the voice of God? And I invite you to really believe the words of Psalm 23, to believe that God is who he says he is, that he is a good shepherd that will lead you to places of rest, that will lead you through dark valleys, and that will be with you, that he will be with you in the midst of enemies spreading a table before you, that his presence is enough. I invite you today into that truth, that foundational core of our faith that regardless of circumstance, regardless of who you say I am, of who I believe I am, I am who I am because God is with me, because I follow Christ as my shepherd. Thanks so much. Blessings to you today. Peace be with you and hope to see you soon.